Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. Sanctions are, I cannot begin to describe the ugliness of it, the bad effects it has on individuals' life. Because uh, like the people that should be sanctioned are finding their ways and normal people like me or um, I don't know, any engineer would then suffer. In the Women Who Code Career Nav segment of our show, you'll hear real world advice from people who are currently working in the technology industry and personally know the steps needed to succeed. Hello, my name is Sarah Healy. I am the digital design manager here at Women Who Code, and you're listening to the Women Who Code podcast, Career Nav Edition. Uh, today, I'd like to give a warm welcome to my guest, Emmy Jamalian. Emmy is here today to talk about encouraging people from underrepresented groups to speak up and stand up for their rights. Emmy is currently located in Germany, working as a software QA engineer at Staffbase. She is an advocate, which we're going to talk more about, her definition of advocate, for underrepresented people in low-level technical roles, specifically Middle Eastern women and the LGBTQIA community who are affected by the laws of sanctions. Welcome, Emmy. Uh, thank you for joining us on this conversation. I'm really excited. Um, I'd love to get to know you a little bit more. Would you mind telling us a little bit about your early career and how you got started in the tech industry, how you got to where you are today? Hi, Sarah, and everyone who is possibly listening to this. Thanks so much for having me. It's um, it's a pleasure. Um how I started my career, I have to say I was born in 1991 and very early on in my life, internet was a thing. And uh, my mom really wanted me to learn two things specifically. One was how to use a computer and the other one was to learn English, which these two actually helped me get in the career that I have now. Um, so the the hobby of playing with a computer and figuring out what's what and get, getting to talk to random stranger on the internet ended up with me actually working in that environment because that's where I feel mostly belong to. So um, I decided to study IT in the university and I decided that I only want to work um, with businesses that are working online. So that's like a summary about me and my career. Awesome. Um, I know before this talk, we kind of talked a little bit about you're originally from Iran, correct? Yes. Um, and so and you're based in Germany. So what are your experiences working um, in the international community? Um, and what made you to decide to work internationally? This is my, staff base is my first real experience in an international uh, company, but um, I had friends. I was like, visiting Europe, uh, joining um, conferences, but obviously it's completely different. You think it's all the same, but then when you experience it, it's completely different. Uh, why did I make this decision to um, work internationally? It was because I thought I'm living in a kind of a bubble, not knowing what's actually going on outside of it. And I really wanted to experience it. Also, um, sanctions actually affected my life so badly that I needed to make money with a different currency to be able to actually live. And then I had this chance of visiting Europe and I thought, okay, let's 
let's see what I can do. And I started applying for jobs and um, I found staff base um, super random. But I'm really happy that I found this place. Working here, I have to say, I was probably one of the lucky people because the team I was working with in the beginning, it was very international. We were people from all over the world. Um, and the team was really diverse, though the company, the majority of company were like really Germans, that team wasn't like that. So that make it really smooth for me. And like the transition from working with people in Iran to working in an international environment. And then when I switched teams um, in the company, it was um, easier, but obviously there's always challenges coming from Middle East you might say things differently than people in Germany or in the US would say. And you, you, you don't know, that's just not the way they do it. Like, so yeah, there are, there are a lot of uh, challenges, but you can just like try to work on them and try to help people understand. You kind of segued into my next question. Um, so I wanted you to speak, I'm going to dig a little bit deeper. I want you to speak a little bit further on challenges that you face, uh, maybe due to discrimination or especially like going through those sanctions in Iran and coming to a whole new country, um, especially in the tech industry. Uh, could you speak a little bit further on that? Sanctions are um, like, I, I cannot um, begin to describe the ugliness of it and the the bad effects it has on individuals life because uh, like the people that should be sanctioned are finding their ways um and normal people like me or um i don't know any engineer would then suffer well our our main challenge is that we don't have um i i think this is very specific to iran and some uh other countries but it's not like <laughs> Uh, a lot of countries don't have this problem. We don't have a banking system that's connected to the world. So we don't have the possibility of working with people just casually and easily because they won't be able to pay us. They don't know how to do, how to handle the taxes and stuff. Um, later on, uh, a lot of businesses uh, who are somehow related to the U.S., they're not allowed to work with us. For instance, we cannot, if we're living anywhere in the world, we cannot just upload our resume uh, on Upwork or Freelancer and accept any job because it's against their policy. They won't let us work. Um, and then it goes even further when you actually get hired in a company, you, you might be in danger still, even though countries like Germany have laws against discrimination. They also have this law to protect businesses from some kind of danger. So if you can prove that your business is in danger because you have this person from this country that's under sanctions and your business has been trying to survive or make it work in the U.S., then you can easily fire those people for that, uh, which is a pretty shitty thing. And I call it sugar-coated discrimination, because by law, it's not discrimination. And this is just Germany, and I only know about Germ Germany. I know a lot of countries have these kind of laws. So companies that are not even 
in the US or they're not like a US entity. So they're not officially not allowed to work with people from these countries like Iran, Syria. They just don't give it a try. Like if you send a resume and you're from any of these countries, they they just directly reject you, unfortunately. Oh my gosh. That's really unfortunate. I feel like this whole conversation that we're really doing is like kind of teaching people to become essentially self-advocacy, like how to advocate for themselves, especially when they're going through issues like discrimination like this, Um, you know, just almost just getting denied just straight off the bat, like second line down on their resume. Do you have any advice, you know, if there are any women, you know, from Iran that might be listening or you know, anyone who might also be going through similar situations like this, do you have any advice to kind of overcome those challenges and like what the steps that maybe you did to get to where you are? Um, You don't have to be as detailed, but I mean, I feel like this is, you really do have to advocate for yourself to get to where you want to be. But do you have any maybe advice that you want to give to other women? So going through this. Uh, I, I like to tell this story of maybe how I learned to stand up for myself. Yeah. Um, most of the families in Iran are um, somehow traditional. And uh, my dad was also one of those. And for whatever reason, um, when I was a teenager, he told me I'm not allowed to ride a bike. And I really wanted to do that. And I couldn't understand why I can't. Um, so. My mom got me a bike from a friend and then I was just like biking and I thought, okay, so if someone is saying that I can't do something, it doesn't mean that I really can't. And then later when my dad was like, Hey, like I saw you with a bike, what are you doing? I was like, I I, I just like biking and I don't understand why I can't do it. So he also was a kind person again, so he could be harsh, but he wasn't. And that's, that's probably like the first time I can think of that I stand, stood up for myself. And I thought I'm good at it because I like in the streets, I wouldn't let people like harass me verbally or physically. And I would just stand up for myself or anyone with me. But then at my first job, like let's say first real job, um, I had a task of um, some big thing that was difficult for me, but I accepted it because I thought it's my job, I have to accept it. And every day during daily, I was telling my manager about it. And then um, at some point, I almost got fired at that job because of my performance. And then I couldn't wonder, but thinking, I was talking about this every day, how could they not mention this before? And later, when I learned more, I figured that that was the moment I had to stand up. I had to say, hey, this is not right. And I won't let you do this um, to me. So then years forward, I was always working with men. I had to be bold and loud to be heard. And um, when I started working within software development team, I was a QA and I'm still a QA. 
And usually other software engineers look down on QA. So again, I had to be even louder to make my point being heard. Um, moving to, to a different country, it was completely not my safe space. Within a different culture, different language, different understanding, I had to then do it all again somehow. Um, first, finding myself and trying to find the ways that I can be bold and loud and make other people hear me. It was, I have to say, really different to what I experienced before with people from my country. But it was definitely helpful that I already kind of practiced it. I remember I had this very specific conversation with my manager where I asked him, to explain to me how do they calculate my salary because by German lawyer, um, you can ask that. And, and they were like, this is what we offer you. Um, and we cannot offer more. And I was like, I'm not asking necessarily for a raise. I just want to make sure this is fair for everyone. How do you do it? And this is fair for everyone. So I don't know. I, I, I think at some point in my life, this just became a part of me to, to really care about fairness and not only think about myself. So first it was just me for me and the things that I want. But now I see a lot of other people don't have this, what I would call it privilege of being able to speak up. So I want to do it for them. So well, I, I, I think I answered the question though. <laughs> you did. I just have to say before we went into this conversation, you were kind of hesitant on calling yourself an advocate, which I will say again, I, you are an advocate for the underdogs. Like you are an advocate for self-advocacy and like, I just have to let you know that, that you know that. Um, but I like, what would be like, how did you recognize the, you kind of talked a little bit about, I want to get more into it, but like, how did you recognize the importance of speaking up for others just because you started just by speaking up for yourself. And when did you recognize like, oh, okay, I'm just speaking up for myself, but this, I, it's not just me. There's a bunch of other people that are also going through this. Um, but how did you recognize the importance of speaking up for others and start taking a stand for advocating for other people just through yourself? Uh, that, that's a very interesting question. I think like first, um, firstly, whenever somebody asks me a question, I usually try to put myself in their shoes and tell them what I would do. And I think when people were coming to me with problems, um, I was thinking that. And then at some point I was like, well, I have to do this. Like if I were you, I would like tell them this and they were not doing it. And I was still feeling like I have to do it. I don't know if it makes sense or not. But um, when it really became important for me is actually after the movement of uh, Black Lives Matter, I would say. Um, a group of people in my uh, company started a DEI committee because they thought this is so important. They started talking about this and I was like, okay, so one person suffers and has this story and there's this whole country behind that one person. So that shows how important it is that we stick together when we have a common goal. And then afterwards, it's like, 
making myself more aware about anything about um, diversity and inclusion. And I always had this experience before, but I didn't really know what it means. Like people would come for an interview or they're like new joiners in a company. And they said, they would say to me that I make them feel included. I never understood what does it actually mean until I learned about these that, um, and then also at a moment, um, I, I felt it. I remember early on in Germany, I was like in a supermarket and they were like all these kinds of juices. I didn't know which one to pick. And so, and then before that, like a couple of months before that, I was a powerful woman doing whatever I was doing. So I went from being someone rather important, at least in my head, to someone who couldn't even pick a juice in the supermarket. So I'm also aware of how different situations would affect different people. And then to also add this, um, I have depression and I also understand how mental health can affect people's lives. And I just want to help these people. And I think a big part of helping is just like talking about these things because you have to first make people aware of something and then encourage them to do something about it. I think that's it. Yeah. I like that you kind of touch back on, it does kind of like tie in with mental health because I think another big thing that kind of goes hand in hand with self-advocacy you can't really get like, if you're suffering from like imposter syndrome, which especially with women in tech is like a leading cause. Like it is, it is an epidemic, like it is everywhere. And, um, and it's like, you have to kind of hurt, you have to jump over that hurdle of imposter syndrome to get to just being a self-advocate for yourself and advocating for pay equity and like, you know, working your way up like the tech ladder and stuff like that. I know that I have suffered from imposter syndrome in any in any role that I've been in. Um, and I say like, oh, I've overcome it. But I, there's still moments that I'm like, you you have like aha moments where you're like, oh, I'm still. There. I had one of those moments in the beginning of the conversation. Do you remember? <laughs> yes. When you were like, I'm not an advocate. I'm like, yes, you I are. I don't think I can call myself an advocate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, I feel like especially like in tech, have you... Um, I feel it's just like, it's so bad. We're like, it's so unfortunate to say that I feel like almost every woman has suffered from imposter syndrome, especially going into like a very male dominated industry. But what advice could you give to people, especially when you have, um, you know, I also suffer from like um, social anxiety and anxiety and that can sometimes inhibit my work. But what advice do you might have for people to kind of, not necessarily like jump those hurdles of depression, but kind of live with it and live with it and work and also overcome imposter syndrome. Interestingly enough, I didn't know about imposter syndrome until a couple of years ago. And then I saw this post on LinkedIn from a woman who was an engineer in Google and she wrote about it. Um, and, and then she thanked a community which uh, helped her and it was called I am remarkable um and that's where 
I started reading about it and also I started looking into this thing called I am remarkable and it's a it's a great thing it's an initiative from Google and now it's its own organization and it um it does two things first um encourages people to speak about their achievements and second challenge the social norms that is kind of putting people in a position of not talking about these things or not seeing it valuable like like just what i said like am i really an advocate because like if i if i probably say i'm an advocate in a group of people they'll be like what what are you doing to call yourself an advocate i remember like i i know someone who calls herself a scientist um and i don't know exactly what she does but i believe that if she's saying she's a scientist she's a scientist but there are a couple of friends they're like but she's not a scientist what she's doing is not i'm like but why would you say that they think she's like showing off with the name of scientist but it's just her job and it's a different kind so i don't think it's only about women in tech i think women in tech are the group of people that had it all so like and it was so visible that people couldn't overlook it um and started to actually do something about it um but i think in the, as i said like the first step that that's what i do the first step of doing anything about any challenge really is to first understand the problem and we should just start there like i i really don't know how to say it but just like i was i was in italy with a friend for like a month and she's amazing she's doing everything like that and and then when it comes to her work she's hesitant she's not even trying things out and i was like but why are you like this and all the things she said i was like during the whole month and, and at the end i was like hey by the way have you heard about this thing called imposter syndrome and she was like no what's that i was like look it up i think it will be helpful for you and like the one thing i encouraged her to do was to ask her questions so this is also something i have from my mom when i was a kid every day before going to school she would say remember it's okay to ask questions what's not okay is not knowing so i'm just like that person that always asks thousands of questions and honestly my mom didn't know this is like a golden skill she gave me cuz people just can't do it so i think the first part is that if you want to feel comfortable making a statement you can start with a question because that will help you first just like getting words out of your mouth and then understanding the situation also my own strategy is like when i need time to think about something more i have a lot of questions in my head i just speak them loudly and this will get me to a point where i can understand if it's necessary for like speaking up or not saying this i have different work occasion in my head some things are really crossing a red line and 
you just have to directly confront them. By the way, these words I'm saying, I don't really know what they mean. <laughs> yeah, you like, make perfect sense. No, I was going to say thank you, mom, because that is like the best advice, I think. I think to overcome imposter syndrome, like you really just have to, I mean, your friend in Italy, that makes, I think that's the biggest thing is like imposter syndrome almost like inhabits you from doing what you can do. Like you have the power to do that and you have to like get past that. And I truly believe no question is dumb. Um, Ask as many questions as you want. I would rather if someone who might not know what they're doing and they're working with me, I'd rather them ask me questions than not do anything at all. Um, I think that's the best, most simplest advice. I think we should normalize that. There's no dumb questions. Yeah, we. I think it really does need to be normal. It's like slowly getting there. And then I feel like people are like, but there are dumb questions. Like, no, there are none. Because you'd be shocked. You might ask a question and the expert might not even know the answer to it. So it kind of leads me into, um, are there any like specific people, like you mentioned your mom giving you really just like, I'm like, it's obvious my mom. (laughs) I mean, at the end of the day, moms do know best sometimes, but, um, are there any like specific people who have like helped you or mentored you or even inspired you? Cause I know you mentioned the whole, I am the hashtag. I am remarkable. Uh, campaign, but have inspired you over the years or any specific stories you might've heard that have just like helped you overcome these challenges. Um, Cause sometimes I think that's the biggest thing is like, you know, having mentorship is like great, but sometimes just hearing a story and you're like, it just clicks. It's you have that moment. You're like, wow. But do you want to dig deeper into that? Are there any specific people or stories um, that have inspired you um, and just like helped you overcome? So my mom definitely has a huge impact on my life. And I'm really grateful for all the things she did while not knowing how would this change my life. Um, For what you said about mentorship, I think, honestly, like, um, there's like a huge list that I can go through. They were not exactly officially my mentors, but I've learned so much from them. Um, one of these people is, um, my, my amazing friend, Mark Meinema, who back then when I, uh, got to know him, um, he introduced himself as a speaker coach, but he, he's way more than that. And in a very challenging time in my personal and professional life, I had the chance to have him as a coach. That was super helpful for me. It really gave me a great perspective. Um, then um, TEDx or TED uh, videos, they're, they're like so many amazing things um, that you can learn a lot of a lot of things from. And then everything within your life is about relationship. So I'm very much invested in learning about relationship in whatever context. And there's this um, person that I is like a romantic relationship coach, but um, but she's also way more than that. And whatever she says is um, so good that you can really use in different contexts for understanding people. Her name is Esther Perel. I hope I pronounced her name correctly. 
Um, and she's also been given speech actually in like tech conferences, like SX, SW, um, like big ones. And then, um, of course, like big players are always playing a role in my life. I, I read the book Shoe Dog from the founder of Nike. And like, I was like, if he could do it, I can do it. And the kids on Instagram, by the way, they also really inspire me. Um, there is this video of this kid that every now and then I just share it because um, it really motivates me. There's this kid, I don't know what movie he watched, but he tells my mom about the character in the movie. If he could do it, you can do, you can do anything, mom. And he's, he's like saying it in a way that you get goosebumps every time. So yeah, like, or like movies about rebels, for instance, there's this uh, movie that I don't know the name, it's about women in the company of Ford, a car company when they started to ask for equal rights it's a it's a great point in history we really owe to those women and if we can't read history we can at least watch a movie um so yeah things like that i get inspiration from i love the quote that you just said which i'm going to take away from this if he can do it i can do it <laughs> yeah like i literally tell this to everyone by the way I'm not saying it in a way that like what, what certain people achieve, uh, like I don't, I don't mean to downgrade that. I just mean that like, I think, well, when I was a kid, I believed that nothing's impossible. I forgot that in the middle of the way. And now I'm reminding myself that it's really not impossible. Nothing's so, okay. I had a physics test in high school <laughs> and I couldn't answer the test. Yeah. And I also wasn't the kind to cheat or anything. And then everybody was like, oh, it's so hard. It's so difficult. We can't do it. And I was just sitting there. And the teacher says, I'm going to ask her if she thinks it's difficult. I will believe that it's a difficult exam. And then she asked me, I'm like, I don't think it's difficult, but I can't answer the question. <laughs> She's like, then why would you say it's not difficult? I was like, because I remember which part of the book it is. And I just don't remember what's in it. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I don't think, like, there's anything impossible, really. That's great. I love that. Okay. I kind of, I don't think I, I don't think I asked this, but kind of bringing back, we talked about, we talked about your imposter syndrome of being an advocate. I want to know, like, what is your definition of being an advocate or even like self-advocacy? Because you want to advocate for these people to learn how to also then advocate for people like them. And it's like a snowball effect, but what is the definite, what is your definition of being an advocate? I think, um, so I won't consider myself an advocate because I think advocates put all that they have into that one thing to, to, to change it, like to make changes. And I'm not doing that. I, I think, um, it's like, I hate to break it to you. I think you are just being here today. I think, you know, you, I just like to talk about it. And I want yeah. to like, the only thing that I do, I talk about things and I encourage people to talk yeah. about it. That's all I do. Once someone asked me, what are you good at? And I was like talking <laughs> and he was like, well, do you mean you're good at listening? I was like, I'm, 
I'm not sure because like other people should say it, but I'm really good at talking. I think you have to be, if you're good at talking, I think you naturally have to be good at listening because you know what people are saying in order to communicate with them. I, I mean, so what I do is just like talking. I don't think that's advocating. I'm like, I just see important things and I have a voice and I just want to use it right. I want to use this occasion actually to invite people to talk about what's going on in Iran yes. because I'm from Iran. I know how difficult it is the situation now. It's really brutal and it's just not fair for anyone on earth to live that life. And without international pressure, it will be possible still, but it can get way easier with international pressure. And, and people in, in Europe or in the US, they might think, what can I do? Well, you voted to choose someone you can invite them to do something and act on this. This is the easiest way. And this is this is something that's that has not been stopped. If you hear less news about it, it doesn't mean that it stopped. It is still important. People are still really sacrificing their lives. Recently, a lot of students have been poisoned in the schools because they don't want women actually to get educated. And we have the same situation in Afghanistan. Women are not allowed um, in the universities. And this is important to talk about. I think as like, don't, don't take what you have for granted. If you're a woman and you're able to go to university and you're well-educated, don't take this for granted. This is considered a privilege in some part of the world. So help everyone get what you have as much as you can so that's me trying to use my voice hopefully it will make an impact i hope it, i think it will you also answered my final question before i could even answer i wanted to kind of get more um for the viewers to see here my question was pretty much what you just said was you know, this overall topic is about encouraging people from underrepresented groups to speak up and stand up for their rights. And I kind of wanted to ask, like, what encouragement do you have, especially with what's happening in Iran and like the women there and um, just like losing their basic rights, just, you know, the elimination of their basic rights, but, you know, the encouragement that you might have for those people. And I think you answered that quite beautifully. Um is there any place, where can we hear more from you um, after this podcast? Um, do you, are you, what social medias are you on? Are you on LinkedIn? Where can people, because I want people to keep hearing your voice. Where can we listen to more of you? Um, I'm like, <laughs> I'm about to say, I don't really have much to say. <laughs> the investors are coming in. <laughs> but um, I, I use Twitter. Um, my Twitter handler e handle is uh, loudqa because I'm loud and I'm a QA. Um, I also am on Instagram. Um, most of the time, I most of the times I have public profiles because I believe in accessible information and I want everything to be transparent and accessible for everyone. Um, 
though for a personal reason, my Instagram is private now, but it is uh, the profile. My username is called amloudemmy. And um, I talk about everything and all the things I learned in my life based on the stories I have. Um, and in LinkedIn, I am, you can find me, I guess, as Elmira Jamalian. And that's where you can definitely professionally follow me. Okay. And I also offer a mentorship session, by the way, on a platform called ADP List. So if anyone needs a little bit of motivation, I'm great at doing that, giving people motivation, showing them the bright side. Um, like like that little push, I I am so proud of myself for just doing this and then people do magic with that little push. I I love it. Well, thank you so much. I don't want to put you on the spot, but I know the Women Who Code community wants to hear more from you. So I'm going to encourage you to write a blog. Maybe we'll have you back here on the podcast and we can talk more about this. Um, but I think that ends our talk for today. Thank you so much, Emmy, for being here. That was a beautiful conversation. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. If, for more information, you can visit our website, um, follow us on social media. We'll be linking all of Emmy's handles that she gives us on our social media as well. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash women who code. Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate, and comment.